right, we're back. Sorry, um, someone tell me where I lost you guys so I can. I was reading, I know I was reading um, Psalms 43, but just tell me where I lost you. Well, we don't know what happened. I was reading Psalms 43. Um, someone tell me where I, you, I lost you. Huh? Yeah, that's where we I lost you guys. Where did I lose you guys? Okay, I'll assume <laughs> I know I lost everyone. Maybe it's just me and hers here. So Psalms 43 verse 4. Then I will go to the altar of of God at verse 3. Oh yeah. So verse 3 says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Thanks, says. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Now notice he says his joy is God. With the lyre I will praise you, O God, my God. Where Then verse 5, this is very key yeah so first his joy is god and this speaks about his internal place now notice this is a sad psalm he's talking about god vindicating him he's asking god to plead his cause he's talking about an unrighteous nation that is against him and then he says god is his strength talks about god being his joy but verse 5 speaks to me and it says why are you in despair oh my soul and why you are restless and disturbed within me then keyword keyword i want you to see this word hope in god and wait expectantly for him for i shall again praise him the help of my sad countenance and my god now the truth of the matter is this and i hope i've shown you in scripture that the state of your heart is important in terms of how your strength in life is uh, I, I i i want you to understand that that and if you're writing write notes down notes note note this down too that the state of your heart is equal to your strength all right um, I want to show you something else, uh, a scripture, a scripture, a scripture. Uh, now, I want to show you something in Proverbs. <laughs> oh, you're gonna, you're not gonna like me after I say this, but it's okay. Proverbs twenty-four ten. Um, this thing wants to give me. Let me read it from the NIV. Uh, if you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? In fact, the King James says, if thou faintest in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. So in the day of adversity, you're not supposed to falter <laughs> now let me explain to you something that i hope you have the grace to understand oh god let me try the devil does not fight for you to lose things 
in the physical realm. He is not fighting for you to lose your car, lose your job, lose your money. No, no. He has no interest in that. His interest is that you lose three things. Faith, hope, or love. He's okay if you lose any of them. Because you need to understand if you lose any of them, it does not matter what you have left, you can't keep it. Because everything that flows out of your life is based on your heart. Now, if your heart contains no faith, hope, or love, you have already lost. In another translation, and I'll show you how they are connected. If you have no joy of the Lord, hear me correctly, you have already lost the battle because you have no strength to face your enemies. <laughs> Let me try and explain. Okay? If you look at your life as, as, as a river, okay? Now, what you experience is the movement of the river. So it carries you into new jobs, into trouble sometimes, into uh, waterfalls. But that river has a source. Now, the correct source that we know is called God, right? That's his, our source. But he flows through you through a system called faith, hope, and love. If you have no faith, it is impossible to please God. You get my drift. In other words, if you have no faith, it is impossible to do that which God put you on earth to do. Okay? So, understand me and and hear me correctly, and I know this will mess up your uh, modern way of thinking, If you are sad and depressed, you cannot, and I repeat, cannot have strength to do God's work. Uh, I know it seems unfair, but understand this. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Without joy, you have no strength. Without strength, you can't work. Okay, in other words, faith, hope, and love, if they don't exist in your life, you cannot be a Christian. You cannot live the Christian life. You understand? Because when it calls for generosity, you can't be generous because there's no love in your heart, right? And love is one of the things you lose very quickly because people hurt you, they let you down, and they break your heart, and then you decide not to love, right? It's easy, right? You you used to... Uh, be kind to a certain friend of yours and they broke your heart and now you're no longer kind. Love is easy to lose. Uh, Faith equally is easy to lose. You asked God for a car. It's been 10 years. You're still uh, walking and using matatus. You get angry and you lose your faith. But I want to speak specifically of these three in the context of hope because a lot of us do not understand the hope of which we need to exist. We we do not get it. You understand? We do not understand that Jesus in himself is defined as the hope of glory. And this then takes me... <laughs> um, oh, God. Um, now I'm torn between to start in Romans or to start in Hebrews, but let me go to Hebrews 11, which you know. Now, I want to show you something in Hebrews that... 
has confounded many a the theologian. I hope I can do it justice. If I don't forgive me, Hebrews 11 verse 1. And it says, now faith is the assurance. The title did the confirmation of things hoped for um, and evidence of things not yet seen. All right. Now, I want to you to take your Bible dictionary. If you do not have it, inbox me. I'll show you how to get a Bible dictionary. I don't have time for that. But this is, if you look for, the, now faith is the assurance. Now I'm reading from the Amplified, which tries to explain. But of course, the most popular saying is faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, that term has disturbed many a theologian because what you mean, it's the substance of things hoped for. Now, the real term, hypostasis, it means to set up under, okay? Uh, to set up under, underline that. In other words, faith is how you are set up. Vlomejipanga, <laughs> okay? Um, um, <laughs> when when you say you want to set up a studio, right, and you bring in the lights and the cameras and things like that, that's a setup, right? Now, to, to set up under is to arrange yourself under a thing called hope, right? So faith is the setting up under hope, okay? Now, we need to understand something critical here, that hope then needs a definition beyond your English term because our understanding of English is then faith and hope are the same thing. But clearly, the writer of Hebrews is saying that faith is the substance you derive from hope, that once you set up under hope, then the thing you receive is called faith, okay? Once you set up under hope, the thing you receive is called faith, Okay, maybe Najiprichia, but this is a good message for me. Now listen, it means that we must set up our lives under a little thing called hope. That's how we should set up. When you have hope, then you have faith. So just follow me and let's follow the scriptures and find out what is hope, right? Now, hope is this. I want to read for you a scripture. Um, in Colossians 1.27, I like this little book called Colossians, man. It is tiny, but it's power-packed. Colossians 1.27, and it says... Now listen, God in his eternal plan chose to make known to them how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is, so this is the mystery, which is Christ in and among you, the hope, the, article the, hope and guarantee of realizing the glory. Okay, now we need to understand, and you've spoken about this many times, and you say, Christ Jesus, the hope of glory. So the hope we are talking about, 
right? Thank you, Hez. Substance G5287 from a compound of Hupo and Stasis are setting under. You understand? <laughs> you understand? So hope, faith is the setting up under hope. Now, Christ is the hope of glory. Mm, keyword. So hope is not, oh, I hope tomorrow it rains so I can have a sleep day in. That is not hope. Hope is Christ, the hope of glory. So when you read that correctly, it is setting up your life under hope, which is the hope of glory, which is Christ. When you set up your life under that, then you have a thing called faith. So you can Oliver to Kopamoja, I'm going to bypass. I Albert I believe. Let me explain. Faith, therefore, is not, and I've said this many times, I'm just trying to, to get it out of our heads. Faith is not, I need a car, God, I need a car, I need a car. No, no. Faith is the setting up under, setting up under of hope. Okay? So the hope is the hope of glory. What is glory? Glory is this. And Christ gave us hope in his resurrection. So let me explain this. <laughs> um, English fails me. But accurately understood, faith is beyond the grave. If your faith is still on this side of the grave, you've not understood hope and your faith will fail you. So let me explain what, in, what I mean. The revelation of resurrection and Christ resurrecting in a glorified body and triumphing over death told you and you need to understand that he is playing not a mortal game he's playing an immortal game and if he's playing an immortal game then whatever you hope for is beyond the grave and it is not eternal life because that you already have in receiving christ because whoever believes in me shall not perish shall have everlasting life you have it now what you hope for is glory. So let me explain. Because the people of old understood glory. When you saw a man called Thor in the movie, <laughs> in the movie uh, uh, Avengers, right? He kept saying that you want to die in battle so that you can live in glory in Valhalla. What did they understand? They understood that this mortal life was only a precursor to a glorified life. Okay? Now, let me try and put that into perspective. It means that the thing we hope for is not material. The thing we hope for is a substance called glory. Right, and this is the hope we have in Christ Jesus. Let me put it to you in perspective and confuse you a little bit as I do so. And I will take you to the book of Romans, I believe it is Romans 5 4. Much. 
book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 4, and it says, we start, no, that's not mine, give me another glass. And, and it says this, therefore, since we have been justified, all right, now understand this, you've been justified, follow me, that is acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God by faith. Let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with him, right? Now, what do I mean by the joy of reconciliation? Again, there is that term joy, right? So follow me, the state of your heart. Okay. Thank you. Now, this is what it says. <laughs> the joy of reconciliation with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Through him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we are firmly and safely secured and securely stand. So, there is a state called grace. I will not go back to grace. I've taught about grace. If you want to go back, go back. I think I have did four or five episodes on grace. Let us rejoice in our hope. Okay? Let us rejoice in our hope and confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. So, what is hope? It is experiencing the glory in Christ Jesus because we've been reconciled and in a state of grace, in a state of joy and hope. Now, this is how your heart is supposed to be all the time. <laughs> so you can get Zungu. Okay. <laughs> right? Now, listen. I want you to follow me carefully. Rejoice. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God. <laughs> the manifestation of his excellence and power. And not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings. Now, you see there, 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 we have a problem. Because if your hope is that you will never suffer, you will never have problems, then you have the wrong hope. That's not the hope of God. Paul is describing the hope of God. And let me tell you how it comes. It says, have joy in your sufferings and rejoice in your hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, and trouble produces patient endurance. <laughs> and endurance proven character, spiritual maturity, and proven character produces hope. And this hope does not disappoint. And, and my version says hope and confident assurance of eternal salvation. Such hope never disappoints us. I'm in Romans 5, 5. Because God love, God's love has been shared abroad, abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given 
to us. In these scriptures, you see the intermingling of faith, hope, and love tied in with grace and the glory of God. Now, with that brief introduction. <laughs> What's introduction? That's <laughs> just an introduction. With that brief introduction, I submit to you. I submit to you these words that I hope you'll find faithful and true. That our hope is the glory of God experienced in this life through the grace of God, which is born by the actuation of faith by setting ourselves up under hope. That is what I want to teach about, because I'm not side teaching. Now, let me explain why I need to teach this. In your heart, as we speak or as you go through life, you have many emotions. Many of you listening to me are led by fear. So every time you go into your heart, you find this scared little boy or girl, and you're always scared to face life. There's someone else in your heart. There's always bravado. You are that person, you know, roju, as they call it. Uh, there's another person who goes through life feeling meh. Mm. It's fine. Nothing excites me. I submit to you that there is a right way your heart should be, and that is your heart should be full of joy. And the only way joy comes is if you have a thing called hope. Now, what is hope? Let me explain. Hope is found in the person who is sick in hospital, given 24 hours to live, and he can still look to God and say, indeed, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. That state of mind where your experience with God is not tied to three months, is not tied to a year, but is tied to glory, then you have and are living a life full of faith and the grace in your life will manifest. Let me explain. If you live a life full of fear, guess what? Your fears come alive. Job said it. He said, what I feared most has come upon me. How did we know he was scared? We knew he was scared because every time his children did something, he was busy to say, oh my goodness, what if they have sinned? I need to clean them up. And therefore, Job, in his entire argument, keeps on saying how he's a righteous man. And God does not argue his righteousness, but God tells him he needs to set himself up under another way of living. It is called trusting God, which is why God takes him and asks him, did you tell Behemoth where to stay? Did you set the moon and the stars where it is supposed to be? So God corrects his position because some of you have set up the answers to life. You've set up your heart based on how good you are. So you're like, I don't sneak, I don't drink, I don't do what? Congratulations job. God will still correct that because calamity will come knocking at your door and your righteousness will be like filthy rags. 
So what he's setting up under, setting up under, Paul says in Romans 5, because we understand we've been reconciled with God. What does that take away? It takes away the fear of rejection. So you must understand, and this is why I'm beginning to set up hope for you, you must understand that as far as God is concerned, you are righteous. It doesn't matter what you did, what you are doing, what you will do tomorrow. You have been justified and reconciled to him. You no longer need to live scared of him based on the status of your life. You don't need to worry about that anymore. So what has Christ did? When Christ came and reconciled you with God, he removed the fear of rejection from your life right? So here's how it works, right? If someone does an expose on you and it is true, my friend, wake up tomorrow, walk up with your head held high and say, yes, I did it, but Christ forgave me 2,000 years ago. What's your problem? Right? And that's state number one. And and you, you find that where? In the first part of Hebrews chapter, in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, made just as if we never sinned, acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God. So you need to grasp it. Before we even talk about hope, the first thing you need to grasp is you have peace with God. You always have peace with God. There is no time you don't have peace with God. Grasp that. That is the first state of your heart I need you to correct. God does not stay outside the room when you're checking into that room with a prostitute. He does not stay out there and wait for you. So you come out and you say, oh, I feel like I left God. No, 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 no. He walks right in there with you. You don't believe me? The psalmist said, though I make my bed in hell, there he is with me. Huh? Now, a lot of you think that you hide from God, so you are about to sin, and now you, right? Like if you go to the club, you know? So, must, number one, you must understand you've been reconciled with God, and he says of you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You are reconciled. So, this is the first part that you must constantly teach your heart to be. You must teach your heart to understand that you are reconciled with God no matter what you did, will do, have done, or how guilty you feel. In fact, there's a friend of mine who was making me laugh, who was saying that they had procured so many abortions, could God love them? And I laughed at them. And I was like, seriously, God doesn't even remember because he deletes your sins, right? I know you guys are offended, but clearly... That's how it is. So you must understand that at any given time, including right now, you are reconciled with God. You have peace with God. There is no beef. Now, I know you guys are thinking, oh my God, now will people sin more? Let me tell you something. If indeed this freedom leads them to sin more, remember the Bible says where sin abounds, grace also abounds. Then it continues to say, how can you who is dead to sin continue in sin? So one day I'll explain to you what it means to be dead to sin. Dead to sin is not what you guys do. It is not kujikaza. Dead to sin is dead to sin. It no longer affects you. Right? So anyway, relax. Grace has the power to deal with sin. This is what people forget. The more grace, the less sin. But hey, I'll teach that one day. Right? So understand that you must reconcile in your heart. (laughs) If there's a key 
that I have lived by and one that has totally changed my life is reconciling in my heart that I am okay with God and God is my father, is my pal, and he loves me when I make mistakes. He loves me when you guys are mad at me. He loves me when you guys are happy with me. He loves me when I make the most colossal mistakes ever. Now, I know friends have left you. I know people who say they'll never leave you have left you. I know the people who say they'll support you have left you, but that's not who we are discussing. We are discussing about your eternal father who has said he will never leave you nor forsake you. Right, who are saying whether your sins be as red as scarlet, as as filthy as rags, his blood on the cross has reconciled you. So that's a mentality you must have. Christians get rid of this idea that you pop in and out of God's good books. So you've not sinned you in good books, you've sinned you in bad books. That is not how it works. I know you've been told God has a clock that counts people's sins and yours is moving so fast. It is not a clock, it is a propeller, it is a fan. I know you've been told those things that is a lie because God keeps no record of your wrongs. How do I know this? Because Paul said, blessed is the man for whom God does not count his sins and imputes his righteousness. Blessed is the man. So understand me and understand me that the state of your heart, number one, as a Christian, number one, you must understand that you have peace with God. And not only now do you have peace with God, you have peace with God even at judgment. Even at judgment, the fact that you've placed your trust in him should tell you, should tell you you have peace with God even at judgment. It commends fellowship up. Right? So you must understand that, that we have been declared blameless, so you are blameless. I'm talking about the Christian mentality. So you must understand you are blameless, blameless, blameless. And you have peace with God, number two, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So it's mentality number one, that I have peace with God. God is okay with me. God is happy with me. God is content with me. That is the mentality you must have now and always. Me is you, I am insisting on to move to something else, but... If you're hearing me, God is okay with you. It doesn't matter whether you're aborted. It doesn't matter whether you stole. It doesn't matter whether you corrupted. If you believe in God, if you believe in God, he has peace with you. Stop being scared. You will lose your job. You will not succeed in life because you made this terrible mistake. Hello. Now verse 2. Verse 2. Through him, we have access by faith into the remarkable state of grace in which we firmly, safely, and securely stand. Now, I have talked about grace. So I'll not belabor this point. So here, I don't want to emphasize what grace is. 
I want to emphasize about the state of knowing, believing, and understanding that you are in a state of grace. First, grace is heavenly currency. So when Christ says you're in a state of grace, it is equal to being told you are moneyed. Okay, it's the same statement, right? Now, I want you to understand something, that when it says that, and, and listen to Paul's wording, and it's very important, it says, you have access by faith into the remarkable state of grace in which you firmly, securely stand. Right, so you must understand in your mind for you to have the heart of a Christian, right? And 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 if you guys are wondering, remember I told you guys in when I was reading Second Peter chapter one, when I was telling you that I will explain to you what I mean by Christian energy, Christian zeal, Christian vim. That's also what I'm talking about. I just thought I should throw that in there so you understand, because one of the things you must grow in is Christian energy. You must be energetic. You must have energy for days and 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 i know a lot of people who this is your approach to life <laughs> things are so hard so i need to adjust that okay so you must understand that you have access to a state of grace so what does that mean that when you are in trouble when you are happy whatever it is you need to do before listen when a lot of people when they write a business plan the first question they ask is where where are they getting capital right now the christian should ask themselves do i have grace grace is the capital you need for any godly endeavor right so the state of understanding of knowing that you operate under grace and have grace is the next step in how the state of your heart should be you should understand i am reconciled with god if i am reconciled with god then it must mean that he has released grace for me and when i am weakest paul says then his grace is even more abundant because his grace is made perfect in my weakness so i am not scared whether i am strong i'm relying on grace and when i am weak guess what that grace is perfected even more so i must understand that at any given time i am provided with sufficient currency sufficient currency to handle the circumstance I am in. That is the state of mind, the state of heart you must have. You must have the understanding that his grace is sufficient for me. In fact, you sang this song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me, for me. For me, so when you sang that song, you see, you sang Jehovah Jireh, but when you in your head, 
because when I was I was in high school, I had this disease. In my head, when I sang that song, I saw loaves of bread. <laughs> I saw a canteen and I saw lots of bread. So when it says Jehovah Jireh, my provider, I saw Jehovah Jireh, my baker, and, and he was giving me lots of bread. But my correct understanding should be in the finishing statement. His grace is sufficient for me. Now, you must understand that whatever circumstance you are in, God has provided sufficient grace to carry you through. Whether that circumstance is a happy one or a sad one, the place of grace is constant in your life. So listen, grace did not come just to deal with sin because sin is dealt with by your faith and your faith brings you into grace, which you cannot abuse. There is no such thing. Okay, now understand me, you must be the kind of Christian that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you know you've got enough grace, right? So you, a lot of Christians, and let me explain this the way David did. David said, in the dry and weary land where there is no water, my soul thirsts for you, right? My soul thirsts for you. In other words, when I don't have water, I don't look for the river to give me water. I don't look for the dispenser to give me water. I look to God. And when God comes, I am okay. Now, there's there's a song that I like, and it says, when I am down, and oh, my soul so weary, when troubles come, and my heart burdens me, and then I am still, and I wait here in the silence until you come and sit a while with me. You raise me up. You know the song. Um, that's my remix. My remix. <laughs> so understand this, that you must understand that you must, your head must understand that your currency is God and God coming to you through his grace. Right. So you, you, if you read in Psalms 45, when, 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 when David is saying, God, give me justice, he says, no, send your light and your truth. So he understands that if God comes, if he sends his word, if he sends his word, then I have grace. So what he wakes up to seek <laughs> is because he understands he has access. And listen to what Paul says, that by that reconciliation, you have access. So listen. Access means you've got to go and get it. It's the same thing I taught you when it says <laughs> that you need to boldly approach the throne of grace so that you may obtain what? Mercy and grace for your hour of need. So if you don't know, go and get your grace. <laughs> if you don't go and get your grace, then what happens is this. You become grace deficient in your life, but you must understand in your mentality that you have it. So how do you get it? You get it by believing because what did uh, James say? He says, whoever approaches God must believe that he exists and is a reward of those who diligently seek him. So when you wake up, you must understand and believe that he exists and is going to reward you for seeking him. And if his reward is always grace. So his answer, when you apply for a job, when you apply for anything, what he sends is a thing called grace. Now, grace does not employ you. Grace gives you multiple opportunities to overcome the challenge you're coming 
out of. So uh, I'll give you an example. The mind that understands there is grace does not sit and look at one way of receiving help from God. You do not sit and look to the pool for the angel to stir up the waters. You know whether it is from the north, east, west, south, up and down space, or even hell below. If God needs to reach you, he will reach you. You understand whether he needs to send a raven or a widow. You're all good because he'll take care of you. And that's the person who understands grace, right? Person who understands grace has the mentality that knows that grace has the ability to move heaven and earth to meet you because God said so. Right? So that is the currency of heaven. So when you have access to grace, you must have the mentality that what? That God has given you grace to deal with whatever challenges you may face. That's the mentality you must have. So to recap, number one, you must understand that you have peace with God because you've been reconciled. That's the mentality, the heart of a believer, part one. Part two is you must have the understanding that you have access to grace. Access to grace is like being given a blank check by your father that you go, you know, when your father, not blank check, that's a bad example because guys don't understand checks. God, uh, God has given you his credit card. You know, if your father gives you the credit card, you go to the bank, what you go? Credit card. You go to the hotel, credit card. You go on a plane, credit card, because that credit card is the same thing as grace. In other words, whatever you need for life and godly living, God sent you a package. It was written grace for you today. So you need to understand you have access to grace, and that's how you must live your life. Because if you try and access other things, if you want to live your life trying to access money, trying to access popularity, trying to access networks, trying to access corruption, your heart will always break. We know this because it says many have gone after trying to be rich and they've pierced their heart with many pains by trying to be rich. So in other words, there's nothing problem problematic with being rich. That's not what Paul was saying. Is Paul was saying there's another way for us to live our lives and that is to be abundant in grace. So in other words, when you wake up tomorrow, you don't count your problems, count your grace. Count on that grace. Okay, I don't know whether I'm making sense to somebody. Let me know my comments. It's okay. It's in the layer two. <laughs> right? Now, I have one minute. I teach this or postpone it next week. Let me teach this, right? Then we'll pick up, I'm in Romans 5, verse 2, part B. But I'll teach you part C, right? Let us rejoice in hope. Ah. Ah. Let us rejoice in hope. Men, I should write a book about this. Uh, but you know what, Yanni? Me editors and and publishers have really frustrated me. There's a book I'm supposed to have published, but anyway, we'll write another one. That's God's instruction. So if you're a good editor and publisher, please let me know. But rejoice in hope. Now, listen. If you took it to basic English, it means rejoice in what is yet to come.
In other words, we don't rejoice in now. <laughs> you see, the reason your heart is broken is you want things to change now. What you forget is the Bible says rejoice in hope. Rejoice in that which is to, is to come. So it's the third adjustment. Your joy can never be based on right now. Can never be based on what you have now. Because Paul says, whatever I have, I consider rubbish. And you cannot be based on what you don't have. Oh, I don't have a husband. I'm not happy. I don't have a mom. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a job. You know, that's not what your joy should be based on. Your joy should be based on tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a better day. Tomorrow I'm going to achieve this glory. So your joy cannot be based on now. One of the biggest mistakes we make when we consider faith is you think, okay, I'm believing God for a watch. So I'm unhappy until I get a watch. Then the day I get a watch testimony, woohoo, I got a watch, I got a watch. Yeah. It says rejoice, rejoice in hope. So where does your joy come from? In hope. What is hope? Hope is very simple. It's that part in the Franklin song that says it ain't over. It ain't over. In fact, one of my favorite sayings, right? And I got in trouble once for saying this. It's not over till the fat lady sings. What I mean, it's not, it's never over until it's over. It's never over until it's over. Never call it quits. And, and just to <laughs> tell you something, and, and I want to share this with you because probably these are the, <laughs> I listened to many, many Miles Monroe sermons, many sermons throughout my life. But there's one thing that he said to me, to my face, when he came to Tanzania, weirdly, about two, three weeks before he died. <laughs> Go figure. And I asked him a question. I can't even, for the life of me, remember what the question was. And he said, never tell yourself no. It's probably one of the most powerful things that has kept me alive. Let me tell you how you tell yourself no and tie it into this conversation of rejoicing hope. Have you ever seen a hot chick or a hot dude? Wow! Kamangalia, ukauliza, kuyaneza kunikubali mimi. That's what I mean, kujiambia, no. Telling yourself no. You look at a nice car, and you ask yourself, hey, mintaeza kweli. He told me, never, ever tell yourself No. Let somebody else tell. That's somebody else's business. Never tell yourself no. Can you have a happy life? Yes. <laughs> so you must learn to rejoice in hope. In other words, every day you wake up and you go like, oh yeah, you know what? Tomorrow's going to be a better day. Every day. 
every day. Rejoice in hope. You must be happy about tomorrow. 24-7, it's going to get better. You know, if I could sing, I would sing for you. Ooh, child, things are going to get easier. Ooh, child, things are going to get brighter. Ooh, child. They say, someday we stand in the light of a beautiful sun. That's what you must have. You must have hope, and that hope must spring eternal. So the state of your heart must be what? That I am rejoicing, not rejoicing because I got stuff. You know, and you guys are good at this. Oh, I thank God I'm alive. Thank God I have a job. Many people were looking to see today, and they didn't see. Others are in hospital. Eh -eh. Eh -eh. Let me tell you how to rejoice. Rejoice about tomorrow. Rejoice saying, you know what? Today ain't it. And I'm going to quote another great prophet. Now, I like quoting prophets. Jay-Z. <laughs> My cousin calls him Jay-Z. Said this line. This is what he said. He said, May the best of your todays be the worst of your tomorrows. Now it's kingdom thinking. The best of your today be the worst of your tomorrow. That's called rejoicing in hope. Sitting there and saying, you know what? It's going to be better. Let me tell you something interesting. At the beginning of the COVID pandemic, I told you guys something. <laughs> I don't know whether you guys remember, but go back to when I started doing this one-hour Facebook things. I told you guys that learn from Isaac. Learn to find a well when there is drought. Now let me tell you something. A small fact I found out today blew my mind. Do you know that in the Republic of Kenya, COVID has not met any of the doomsday expectations they thought. The exports have not dropped by, they have dropped, but they have not dropped by the expectation they had. In fact, tea has increased. We've exported more tea. <laughs> Number two, unemployment has not hit where they thought it would hit. The economy has not fallen the way they thought it would fall. Now, I know you want to complain and say things are so bad. That's how you see things. But I can tell you something. And this should tell you how my attitude on TV changed. You guys think it's because, oh my God, it's been what, what? No, no, it's very simple. I learned a trick. I rejoice in hope. So even in this COVID pandemic, rejoice in hope. Because it's going to get better, guys. It's going to get better. That's how it always is. <laughs> That's how it always is. Look at the ages of humanity. It's always gotten better. It's always gotten better. We went from flint knives to iron knives. Everything in life, bread has gotten better. Chicken has gotten better. Come on. Depends on how you look at it. But as a Christian, you must have the characteristic of rejoicing in hope. So I've been told 
to give you a summary. Let me give you a summary again. And I hope you are writing these things down. I hope it's changing your life. Since you've been justified, you must understand you are blameless and have peace with God, number one. Number two, you have access to grace. You must know that. Number three, rejoice in hope. That's my time, guys. I can't open another box here because, hey, that's my time. The state of your heart, faith to hope, will continue next week. God bless you. Pray for me. I am on drugs again, not not cocaine, <laughs> medical drugs, antibiotics, again for some surgery I had. Yeah, so pray for me. Not 100%, but God bless you. Rejoice in hope, Simon Masharia. Yes, rejoice in hope. See you guys soon. Adios.